Hey everyone, this is Jordan Van Trump, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of How I Built This Ag Business. Just wanted to let everyone know this podcast is sponsored by the company I started right out of college called AgSwag. I'm sure like many of the other disruptors on this podcast, I started this company searching for cooler stuff and better service. One of my first tasks when I got out of college was finding some cool hats for my dad's business, as my family and their friends always struggled to source quality swag throughout the years. I started this company only making a few hats and have been fortunate enough to meet some of the top business leaders in the ag industry along the way. I've worked with some of the biggest disruptors currently in the space, such as FBN, Benson Hill, Pivot Bio, Pattern Ag, Holganics, as well as many veterans such as Cargill, Nutrien, Dairy Farmers of America, Kent Corp, CGB, Helena, and the list goes on and on. Throughout this journey of providing swag to various companies in agriculture, I've had the opportunity to learn some of the best business lessons, hacks, marketing strategies, and many other things to take my company to scale and become more successful throughout the years. My intentions of this series is to bring on guests that I've had the opportunity to work with over the years to tell their story and hopefully help you build your business in the future. Hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of How I Built This Ag Business. Today we got the Whiffles family on. We got Bill Whiffles, Bob Whiffles, John Whiffles, who is uh, the president of Whiffles Seed. We also got Jacob Whiffles on, the vice president of production. Uh, A little bit about the company. They started all the way back in 1946 on a 160-acre farm in Henry County, Illinois by Bill Wiffle Sr. Now they're in five states and have over 200 employees, and a lot of people consider them the fastest-growing seed corn company in the Corn Belt. So uh, with that, I'd like to welcome you guys all to the show. So appreciate appreciate you guys doing it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So I guess uh, I guess we'll start with uh, Bill and Bill and Bob. I guess how how did uh, your your guys' dad started the business? I guess how did this whole thing get started? And I guess how did you guys end up with that farm? And I guess we'll start there with that story. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, so uh, uh, my parents, uh, my father was a very curious character. Came from a pretty large uh, family. Um, Lived in Henry County, Illinois, uh, close to communities of Atkinson, Geneseo, and uh, that general vicinity. Uh, Dad was uh, uh, married in the early 1940s and uh, uh, had seven children, um, five girls and two boys. Um, uh, Bob and I, uh, uh, the business uh, um was more of a farming operation in those early years. Dad acquired 160 acres of farm. Previous to that, he was farming with two brothers, and they both bar- bought uh, small farms at the time that were maybe larger than 160 acres. But you know, if you go back to that time, there's a lot of diversified agriculture where people were raising cattle, hogs, and then uh, different types of small grains and uh, row crops. Um, uh, Dad had an eighth grade education. Mom had a high school uh, graduate and very, very sharp lady. Uh, and, um, you know, this happened uh, uh, in kind of an accident sort of way. There, uh, I guess I would say there was uh, other seed companies in the general vicinity. Uh, C.D. Ford and Sons, who's still in business, but they were in the hybrid corn and small grain business at one time. They're more of a distributor now of different types of agricultural products. Halting Hybrids was located in Geneseo as well as Siebens. And so if you go back to that era, there was just a ton of seed businesses that uh, uh, sprung up. Um, Dad was curious about seed as well as all kinds of different, you know, this is post-war. So at that period of time, um, I've got, uh, uh, the family has invoices of purchases uh, from those years of 1940 all the way to until he died. And so we can see what he purchased. And so it was like a full line of farm equipment for uh, four row farming. And so, you know, a lot of changes going on. I'm trying to paint the picture here and, and um, you know, uh, livestock, a lot of the livestock was walked off the farm. And so um, fertilizers were becoming popular. Dad was just an experimenter, very curious, trying different types of things. Hooked up with a county extension agent who had access to different land grant colleges for different types of seeds and fertility uh, items. And uh, dad was more or less the guy that was more than willing to demonstrate and try things. And so that was the beginning of the seed business in the early 40s there, where he experimented with some oat varieties in small strips. 
So these small strokes, maybe a dozen to 20 some different varieties at a time coming from land grant colleges from Wisconsin to Minnesota, to Iowa State, Purdue, Illinois, um, that would be planted on the farm uh, at the courtesy of this uh, extension agent, Darrell Fike was his name, but dad and him became a, really quite the team. And um, so I'll try to, old guys talk a long time sometimes. So um, he planted these strips of oats and one year one really stood out and decided to plant it on an acreage because oats were planted for nurse crops because hogs were raised outside back in those days. And um, this variety on possibly 20 acres just stood like a string during a July windstorm uh, and heavy rain and in our farm was close to a, a local highway and the farmers would drive by in that field of stand when everybody else was flat as pancake and vehicles pulled in that day and said, I don't know what that is, but do you want to sell some? So that began a, a case of a clipper cleaner being slipped into a driveway, driveway of a very large corn crib. We had a platform Fairbank scale out front of a cattle feedlot, and voila, um, he started producing certified seed. I'm going to take a breath there because Brother Bob ought to have something to say about this. <laughs> Those uh, that production of uh, seed oats is really what put the the company on the map to begin with, because uh, you can imagine, you know, there wasn't any uh, cell phones and computers back then, and. Uh, these oat variety plots that were held on an annual basis brought in farmers from, well, 70 or 80 farmers from, you know, the 100 mile area, if you will, that were interested in oats. And uh, there were uh, professors from the University of Illinois or some agronomists that would come or, or oat breeders that would come and, and it would be, there would be a twilight demonstration held. Uh, these uh, professors, which were extension agents, would come into the uh, to the family farm, we'd have uh, dinner with them. Imagine six, six kids and everybody gather around the table and we would have a luncheon and pie and then uh, head out to the fields. And so the farmers would come into the area and uh, that went on for, uh, I don't know, 25 years of producing seed oats for people in the area. And all this was done at the kitchen table. So probably spending uh, 10 minutes too long on this part, but that is what built the uh, the character, the reputation, the service-mindedness, the quality assurance, um, the billing, uh, uh, invoicing, getting to know customers on a first name basis, finding out how they wanted their oats. You want it in two bushel bags, you want it in a gravity box, uh, you want it uh, in a truck. So these oats that all the family would help clean were then eventually, you know, uh, distributed to those farmers. Many of them would come into the farmstead at the time. So, you know, that was probably uh, crystallized a lot of things that I believe carry on in another generation today is that uh, um, great customer service uh, that we learned at the kitchen table anyway. Maybe we'll take a breath there. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the fact that, like you guys said, that uh, the business wasn't started originally uh, as a big money making, you know, type of idea or thought. And it was just out of uh, that you had a, solved a problem that people were having. And your dad was experimental and found uh, found something that was working and other people wanted to uh, have, a, have the chance to be a part of that. I, so many people today, I think, you know, a lot of these younger kids, they all start with money first and, you know, hey, how can we make money and we want to go start this business and, ah, boy, I don't know. We've invested in a lot of those. I know that through the last few years and it never, uh, it never seems to quite play out like something like you guys had found here. So, yeah, that's interesting. That's a, that's a great story. So, he didn't just start the uh, seed business to, to go after and make a bunch of money, kind of just experiment with his own stuff. So, yeah, great thing there. So when did uh, when when did you uh, Bob and Bill when did you guys start getting involved in the business? Were you guys involved like when you were in high school, or did you go to college or come back after college? How'd all that work out? Child labor forever. <laughs> you know, it was a farm. We were uh, three miles from any civilization that had uh, uh, any community uh, to, uh, to it, and so you know it. Um, uh, 
you know, we we started working, uh, you know, during summers and things like that, pulling weeds out of oat fields, uh, eventually uh, detasseling corn. We used to make this joke that the reason he, you know, my one sister died at birth, but there were six kids and made this joke that dad had six kids so he could have a full set on the detasseling machine. Uh, but um, uh, I, I came back from college. I was uh, one year into college in 1970. Um, dad began to have some illness issues. And I, I then uh, came back to start to work for him. Um, it was, we were farming 480 acres at the time, selling uh, close to 2,000 bags of seed corn and maybe four or 5,000 bags of seed oats, grazing hogs and cattle and, and, and row crops. It was myself and, a, and eventually a hired man at that time. And then I'd, I I uh, went back to junior college a little bit, but uh, never did get a degree. Uh, same as Bill, you know, we worked. You worked on the farm with the hogs, cow, the whole operation. Then uh, after graduate, after high school, went to University of Illinois. Uh, got a degree in crop science and agronomy. But unfortunately, when I was a uh, in 1974, I was a sophomore. And uh, that is the year that our father passed. And so there was uh, a big change that occurred then in transition uh, that went on. But uh, my degree is in crop science agronomy uh, and have uh, uh, liked working in the production supply management quality assurance aspect of the business. So who else, who else was working in the company at the time when your dad passed? Was it just kind of the family hired guy? You said we, we hired a man to, we normally had one other person that would help with real crop or other types of things that would go on the farm. It was an hourly uh, uh, position, but other than that, it was, it was more of a, you know, we were more of a grain operate grain operation than we were a seed business in those days. Um, so when did I guess when did the seed business really take off? Did, did you do you guys get together and like, hey, let's let's really make this happen? Or I guess how how did that all play out? Great question. Um, the year before Dad died, we had uh, uh, put together. Dad had a hybrid, um, you know, that uh, known as W twenty six. It did extremely well in some small tests at home, but in nineteen seventy four. You know, not having a sales organization of any kind, um, it was all word of mouth. Um, uh, we we entered uh, that hybrid in a couple of and another hybrid in some county extension plots. There used to be a lot of uh, counties would have an extension test plot of anywhere from twenty to thirty corn hybrids and two entries per brand. And so we entered this uh, in uh, Joe Davies Stevenson. Carroll and Whiteside County in that year, that hybrid was the top yielding hybrid out of 50 hybrids in every location. That is crazy. Uh, uh, that was a motivator, uh, inspirational. So, you know, during the spring of 74, when dad was still living, you know, um, you know, how much of this stuff do we produce? Because somebody's going to want to plant that. And uh, excuse me, that was 74. So, set. so he, you know, he died uh, during that period. He saw the results, um, but, uh, you know, you, you said, it, when did it take off? You know, we had kind of a, a winter meeting with the family in the December of uh, 74. And, you know, Bob and I had aspirations to uh, that. We thought that there was a possibility to make something out of this someday. And a brother-in-law joined us and he was going to be the sales lead, you know, uh, uh, he was a much more outgoing character, didn't have much experience with agriculture, but uh, he began to build the uh, distribution system where we started uh, farmer dealers. His name was George Ralph, married my sister. Um, and um, uh, I'm sorry, Bob, I'm maybe talking too much here, but we, he uh, and the rest of us recruited uh, 13 people, farmers, to uh, represent the brand uh, between 74 and the uh, summer of 75 and uh, uh, had our first kickoff meeting in the summer of 75, right in the backyard of where, where uh, we all grew up at. And uh, from that, uh, we doubled the seed business from two to 4,000 bags that, that year. Now I'm going to let Bob take over. He can tell some of this. 
Well, one thing back on 74 in the spring, it, there was a late uh, spring frost, froze off corn. That doesn't happen very often, but we plant <clears throat> seeds. So the seed crop in 74 got planted late. Then um, we had an early freeze in September. And so freeze will, you know, kill the embryo of seed corn. So it, it killed about uh, half of our production. So while we were attempting to grow that large quantity, we had uh, three major setbacks and our father passed away. So those uh, three things happened were, were uh, uh, quite challenging. And, you know, it's adversity. Uh, there, were pl there was plenty of it, but that was at the beginning of really the seed corn uh, growth after that uh, terrific uh, production or the, the performance of W26. So as Bill mentioned, though farmers would call from all over. We sold out after, uh, I think it was uh, about seven years of consistent growth of doubling each year from 2000 to 4,000 to 8,000 to 16,000. So those, that, that performance uh, led to so much, uh, and the hybrid was good, but led to, to so much demand and uh, PR and word of mouth. That, uh, that's what really drove that initial business. That was that was pretty incredible time. Then. Yeah, that yeah that makes sense. That's yeah that's a good good one there. Faced some adversity right out of the gates. Some people may have quit, and you guys kept plowing through it and and built your sales team. I like the sales team with the uh, kept it mostly in the family, and then you had the thirteen farmer dealer operators, and it's and just grew it from there, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So I would say quality customer service and, and a good product. And that's the, that's the right recipe for certain. Basically, at that time, also uh, at Dad's passing, we sold all the assets of the livestock business off in order to uh, finance the capital intensive nature of the uh, seed business. So we transitioned even at that time from uh, a kind of a livestock operation over to strictly seed corn where we thought we we had something going and uh you know uh we pushed a lot behind it anyway yeah when you guys first started out were you mostly focused on the science side providing the the best hybrids or were you more focused on you know the distribution you know great customer service and uh, uh, things like that or was it just a combination that's a good uh, question, too. And uh, again, some of this family heritage, uh, some of what our father had put into us was the was the fact that uh, you, you wanted to serve farmers. It's still our uh, mission today, uh, produce a more productive and profitable crop. So that mission that he started with still holds true today as our purpose at the company. But in this in the seed corn business, there's a lot of. Uh, different hybrids that you can grow and ones that would produce a lot in a seed field, but maybe would be five or 10 bushels behind in a commercial uh, setting. And we were constantly looking for hybrids that would yield uh, the top and highest yield with, with good stock and roots. Uh, but it, it was always about a premium product, premium from the standpoint of the highest yielding. And there was a lot of uh, compromises then that had to be made in the actual production of that of that crop, those uh, those inbreds may only yield 30 or 40 bushels uh, to the acre. Uh, and that was the challenge then in, in producing those. But, um, you know, the, the farmer has to have the best product. Yeah, that gives them the best ROI, I guess, and the best uh, profitability in, in return. So right. have you seen that change much uh, through the years from new customers? You, you younger guys now that are involved, have you seen the younger customer wants something different or they, you know, they want, or has it pretty much stayed the same? Are you guys on the pier? You know, Kevin, my opinion is that uh, at the end of the day, it starts with, with yield and product performance. I mean, that's just, it's table stakes for, for farmer operations. And so um, I don't think that's changed. I don't think that ever changes. Um, the relationship piece though is, you know, incredibly important as well. And so um, that's probably the place where we differentiate um, within anything. There's yeah. been some thoughts, especially over the last decade, okay, is 
uh, online purchases continue to uh, take place in other industries and in retail? Is that something that may supplant uh, in the seed industry or other ag inputs? And there's certainly other ag inputs that have that have had that happen, but uh, it's interesting. It's it's an emotional decision. It's one of the biggest decisions a farmer can make in a year is to figure out what seed they want to plant um, to help provide their livelihood for their business and their family. So we've, like like John mentioned, the the service and the relationship aspect are, are key cornerstones to us. We think that's still extremely important as we look out the, the front windshield. I think the other two things I'd add real quick are that, you know, seed is your moneymaker, right? When you think about all the input decisions you're going to make, that is where you make your money. And inevitably, something is going to go wrong over time, right? And so I think, you know, one of the other things we believe in firmly is that you know, something will go wrong at some point. And so that's why we have a team that's in the field to have relationships with people and service them so that when something goes wrong, they know that we're their partner and we've got their back. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So. How, uh, John John, and Jacob, how was how it growing up in the family biz? I guess you guys were you guys were little when this thing was really taken off. How, how, how crazy were things at the house? And were you guys pretty involved when you were kids or? I think, you know, Jacob and I probably both have, you know, unique stories there. I guess a couple of things I would share, Jordan, is that you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, we, we grew up in the business. Um, you know, my father, you know, very passionate about people and relationships. And so I, I just remember a lot of conversations at the dinner table being about people, um, building the team. Right. And, um, you know, I guess the other thing I would say is there's there's five family members in the third generation and every single one of us started working for the company as teenagers. So I think it's fantastic that, you know, everybody's got, you know, hands on experience, whether it was in research, whether it was in seed production, the warehouse um, of, you know, what what it takes to be successful in this business, what our employees do day in and day out. And so that's a great foundational experience for anybody that's going to be a future owner. Yeah, I would, you know, really similar to John, we all grew up in the business, spent a lot of time summers in our uh, research nursery, whether it's doing hand pollinations or uh, at the uh, production facility. And I think many of us probably be tasseled and uh, we're like, Hey, we're going to go to college and see if we can't do something different. And after, spending a lot of hours out detasseling. Uh, a few of us wandered back and, and still do it to, to today. But, uh, you know, that was just part of, of growing up was being around the seed business and hearing uh, at the kitchen table a bit how things were going. Uh, around the kitchen table was a lot of, like John mentioned, relationships, customer service and quality. And uh, uh, even the two individuals that are in third generation that aren't, uh, in the business today, I think I still think in their daily lives, they uh, in the businesses they're in, they think about customer putting the customer first uh, and the quality aspect too. What's one of like What's one of like the best uh, lessons? What's like one of the best lessons you learned when you were a kid from your from your dad's growing up? Like just being around the business. I, my dad, me and my dad were talking the other day, and he brought up a good one. He always used to say, but. Um, don't have don't have time to do it right the first time you don't have time to do it at all so um that was one he always used to say to me when we were in the business he's like see son you gotta do it right the first time so um what what what's like one of the lessons you always are reminded of and still take in today just being around the business i think it's the customer first mindset i think that was drilled into uh our heads at a pretty young age it's uh we're without the customer, we don't have business. So you got to do what's right for the customer. If you make a mistake, own up to it, uh, deal with it. You know, John mentioned it in agriculture, you're going to have issues that they may be your fault. They may not be, but standing behind the product and doing what's right on behalf of our, uh, our customers. That was probably the one that I really took away. I think one for me, Jordan, would be um, just the lesson of, of perseverance. Um, you know, you guys talked about as we started the call, 
this brand has been on a pretty exciting run over the last nine years. We've grown the business each one of those years. But if you look back across 76 years, you know, we haven't grown the business every year. Um, and, you know, it's, that's just a really hard thing to do to grow the business. And so when you don't, you know, how do you gather yourself? How do you collect yourself and, and really fight through some tough, challenging times, right? I mean, you know, we're also in the seed business where everything we do is impacted by the environment. Mother Nature has a huge impact on our ability to be successful, right? And so, um, you know, I think a lot of folks that come to work for Wiffles don't do it because it's easy. I think they do it because they enjoy a little bit of hard. <laughs> they enjoy diversity, right? That's a bit of the, 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 I guess, the DNA that we look for when we're hiring people that, you know, they're up for a challenge. And so um, I guess that's just one lesson that I got, you know, from, from an early age. How was uh, how was the transition like? I guess now between uh, Bill and Bob, how how was that? Uh, how that all transpire? How how did they kind of, from what it seems outside looking in, Bill and Bob are kind of not as involved in the business, and you and Jacob were kind of at the helm, taking the bull by the horn. So I guess how how did that transition work, and um, I guess how did that all play out, or what were what were some of the difficult things that you guys had to overcome and I guess you guys still probably deal with it today with Bill and Bob getting in there, probably just getting bored. <laughs> I guess, I guess Bill and Bob can start on, I guess when they, when, when you guys decided like, Hey, when this is, a, it's time for John and Jacob to take over. Well, we let uh, all our kids, both sides know that uh, if they wanted to come back to the business someday, they could. And uh, none of them had to. And uh, so there were probably a few years there where we were wondering, you know, will, will they want to join uh, what we're doing? And so uh, one by one, uh, three of them have come back, the two on here, plus uh, Blake, who is uh, John's uh, brother, who uh, works in research as a technician. And so um, we made way for them, but they also, we have a kind of a family uh, constitution that we have put together over time and and uh, many years back you know let our children know what the business was about tried to include them on uh, what's what's happening kind of board of directors meetings if you will they weren't but uh, they were in, in that manner and uh, you know made sure they knew they had an opportunity if they wished to uh, but it also was very important that they had to join uh, just like any other employee, uh, that they had to make their way through. They had to grow through the organization. Not everybody is equal. Uh, you can do what you want. If you aspire, whatever you aspire to or have the passion to, you can do whether it's here or somewhere else. And it still goes today. But uh, we're happy, uh, you know, that three are back in the fold. I won't call it the fold, that have chosen to join what we're doing. And uh, um, yeah, Bill, you want to add anything to that or? Uh, I think the transitions really went well. Um, that's my perspective. perspective. Um, um, I think people or I think uh, all of the next generation were prepared um, well in advance. They were respected uh, by uh, other employees in the company. Um, I got some real strong advice from a legal uh, representative that we work with that basically said, you know, you got to leave. You got to get out of there. Uh, if you really uh, want people to um, uh, know that you're not the president of the company any longer. And so as hard as that was to hear, I did. And in uh, my personal opinion, that has really been, uh, I really made a smart move there. I did get out. I'm not involved in any operations. I was kind of a joke, but um I'm not involved in any operations, haven't been since uh, late uh, 2017. Uh, I'm on the board of directors of the company, uh, but otherwise um, I will attend uh, meetings occasionally and uh, I'm, I'm proud of the next generation uh, that is operating the business today and the employees, the uh, uh, leadership that we have. Uh, um, uh, they are an incredible team. They're doing great things. I guess uh, John and Jacob, what what was it like working your way up the company, and then finally 
coming in the positions you are today. And if you want to share a little bit about what you guys do day to day, that'd be cool too. So. Sure. So Jordan, I'll start and just say that, um, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I don't think my mother ever appreciates me sharing this, um, but at least it's my memory. Um, about the time I was going off to school, um, she and I had a very short chat, but basically said, you know, um, when you graduate from college, um, you know, it's not likely there's going to be a job for you uh, with the family business. And, um, you know, at the time, I, I think I kind of asked myself the question, what the hell did I do to deserve that? Uh, but uh, honestly, um, I, I think at some point I realized that was kind of liberating because, um, you know, you asked the question earlier, what's it, what's it like growing up in the business? You know, in, in Geneseo, there's a lot of folks that are familiar with Whistles Hybrids. They know that, you know, you're part of the family. And so there's kind of an expectation that at some point you're going to work for the business, right? And so she kind of gave me that freedom to go do my own thing, which um, I studied finance, got a degree in accounting, and um, I was frankly away from home for about 10 years, uh, getting outside experience. Uh, and then about 2013, um, we had a uh, family business leader for the finance group that he'd been with the company for 33 years. He was retiring. And so, um, you know, the family very uh, generously off offered me, invited me at that point to come talk about that job. Um, so it was uh, Blake and Jacob had already joined the company at that point. So I was, you know, very, very excited, encouraged, come back and work alongside them. Um, and it, it was just very welcoming to have the family support to say, hey, come back and consider this. And so um, about 2017, um, you know, my dad made it clear that he was going to step back. And so we had a lot of conversations, quite honestly, over what was the right decision. Um, I, you know, I guess I just felt um, very encouraged. Again, the family gave me the confidence to say, hey, we, we want you to go do this thing. Uh, I wanted the best person to have that that job to lead the business forward, right? And so hearing from them that confidence, um, you know, made me feel uh, good about taking that responsibility on. And so the last five years, um, it's been an awesome run. Um, and I'm, you know, you asked about what we do day to day. I guess I'll just tell you that um, I do a lot of things, as you, as you might expect, with about 200 employees wearing many different hats. Um, I, you know, spend time in the field with our sales team and our customers when I can. Um, but I certainly spend time, a lot of time, um, you know, thinking about the future of the business, where we're going. Uh, and my favorite thing to do is build this team. Uh, you know, I, I quite honestly believe we have the most passionate, um, service-minded group in ag. And um, it's it's incredibly inspiring to, to get to continue to, to build that. So did you come so, on first, Jacob? You came on first? Uh, I was right behind Blake and joining. We were a year apart uh, in school. We actually were in the uh, University of Illinois together. We both studied uh, crop science, and we're in HR. So, uh, late graduated and came back to the business. Uh, and then, uh, when I finished up, I wanted to join, uh, immediately as well. I always had a passion, uh, for the production side, you know, doing work with my hands, kind of that mix of, uh, of officing out in the field. So I took an entry level role, <laughs> what we call a, a production technician. So, uh, for that, you kind of follow the crop and the product through the whole cycle. So out in the field, um, working with growers that we're contracting with to produce our seed, managing the tasseling crews, running first, second shift in our dryers, us and sort operations. And then, you know, we transition into uh, what we call conditioning seed, which is cleaning sites and packaging it. And so, you know, work anywhere from first to, to third shift in the uh, conditioning tower and then into uh, uh, distribution as kind of a uh, uh, logistics there. So uh, it was really good experience for me. I got to learn all of the different jobs on the production side of the business and probably more importantly, learn about the people and what really made people tick. So as I, over the years, I took on additional responsibility. Uh, that was really good kind of grounding for me to understand uh, all those different roles. So as we brought people on, um, kind of that mantra of, of uh, wouldn't ask somebody to do something I haven't done myself. Uh, 
to an extent. And so it was really good experience there learning all those, those different jobs and, uh, um, being part of that team and kind of getting the confidence of the rest of the team. So as, as, as we fast forward, uh, it's probably two, two and a half years ago, Bob had been leading the, uh, the production arena, which is our production operations, quality assurance, and uh, supply management. Uh, and he was ready to make that transition. He wasn't going to leave the business quite yet, but he wanted to transition kind of those day-to-day operations of leading that group. So I took that over uh, in 2019-2020 timeframe. And, uh, it's you know, we've added a lot of folks to that team over the last few years, invested a lot in our production capacity as we've grown. Um, I lead a team of about 40 uh, full-time folks, and then it's a pretty seasonal business. So we could have anywhere from 20 to 150 uh, seasonal employees and then two to 300 contractor migrant workers throughout uh, the year, too. So I spend most of my time in the production operations, the quality assurance group, and uh, some folks on the uh, supply management. And again, we've We've been growing, we've been investing, and you may have read, we are uh, expanding even into Iowa with some of our operations here in the Ames area. So that'll be another exciting project and endeavor that uh, we're headed towards too. Yeah, it seems like you guys have been just, I guess, like John said, since he took over the, the business, it seems like he said it's grown every year and you guys have really expanded uh, I know you guys are putting that big plan in like Iowa. You said, I guess, what what's or like some of the big, do you guys make any big changes once uh, you took over, John, and um, Bob and Bill took over or just just kind of more hungry and willing to grow the business or what, what, how to, what do you think some of the biggest changes were? Not trying to yeah. bash dads or anything, but. This is a real easy one, Jordan. I had incredible timing, you know, um, in 2010, uh, Bill, Bob, the rest of Wiffle's leadership, I mean, they put some real intentional plans into place to really grow the business, uh, to become much more relevant, to be on, you know, thousands more farms than we were. And, and frankly, to just to make an investment, and take some risk and, um, you know, go for it. And so, you know, when you make those kinds of investments, those are long-term investments. Those don't pay off in 2010 or 2011 or even 2012. They started to pay off in 2014, frankly, for the first time, or at least see some of the fruits of the labor, right? So, um, yeah, a, a lot of a lot of great things were done um, well ahead of, of my arrival to the business, that's, that's for sure. Were there any big changes you made once you took once you took control or I guess not control, but once you, once uh, Bob kind of stepped back or Bill stepped back, I mean, no, just keep doing what you guys are doing or. That's an interesting question. Maybe, maybe, maybe others have perspective on that. I mean, you know, quite honestly, when I stepped in, it was like, you know, uh, let's, let's keep this going. Right. We're, we're on right. an incredible run. Um, let's, let's continue to keep this up. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would say that personally that there have been any major changes. Uh, yeah. Some of the guys we've talked to in the past, like they've kind of, once they got involved in the business, they've seen like different ways to create different types of revenue or yeah, just certain things they've added to the business to, to grow it, I guess, I guess it's kind of more what I was asking, but I think, you know, maybe to your question, Jordan, maybe one thing. I've, I've tried to do, but I, I don't know that it's necessarily any different than what yeah. the leaders before me did was just have a really clear plan on, you know, what, who are we as a brand? What does Wiffle stand for? Um, you know, where, where do we want to go? Um, and how are we going to get there? So pretty basic questions. Um, but I think one of the things that's quite frankly been helpful for our brand is really discipline and, you know, sticking to, who we want to be. So, you know, one of the things we, we haven't talked a lot about, but is very unique about our brand is that, you know, we're frankly the only brand in scale that doesn't have a soybean business. And so, you know, there have been conversations over the years over, you know, um, should we get in the soybean business, right? I mean, that would be one very clear way to grow the business very quickly, right? 
But one of the questions I challenge myself and others with at times is, so if we if we go do that, how is that going to make our business better? All right. And so, um, you know, to this point, we haven't gotten into the soybean business. And, um, you know, I don't know that it's a question as long as we're selling corn and most of our customers plant soybeans as well. I don't know that it's a, a question that will ever go away. Um, but our brand is absolutely differentiated today because of that decision. And um, I think we can probably or, or I know we provide a different experience at, at the Growers Gate uh, based on that focus, expertise, knowledge on, on, on seed corn production. Hey, Jordan, I'll add, I was in a meeting one time uh, with the really high Walt Disney exec, and this was after Walt Disney had passed away. And they had said that Disney went through a period where it almost went broken, bankrupt after that Disney had passed away. But the executive team had plastered all over the walls. Uh, what would Walt do? You know, like, what would Walt do? And they said it was the worst. That was the worst thing that they could ever have done. And they had some consultants come in and said, yeah, you got to get all that off the walls. Because what they said Walt Disney was really good at, what I hear you guys saying was, uh, your guys, Bill and Bob's father, I mean, he was experimental. He would roll with the punches. He would try new things, try different things, try change. And they said, Walt Disney was really good at changing, but they didn't have it that way in their minds. You know, it was like, what would Walt do when we last had him here, you know, before he passed away? And they tried to stay with that for a long, long time. And, and it almost just, you know, crippled uh, Walt Disney. But once they got rid of that mindset and, and really thought about what Walt Disney did and what he was really good at, was he was good at changing, you know, and rolling with the punches and uh, changing and being experimental. And like you said, John, some of the things they put in place for growth and before you got there and and some of the things that they, their, their father did to start things off. So, you know, yeah, it's interesting. You know, you, you as you pass the business along, you know, I, I wonder, though, and like I hear Jordan often reference, you know, you know, probably what would my dad do? What It's just tough. You know, you just you got to remember, you know, some of the. I guess some of the most important things were things we didn't really even recognize was the ability to change and roll with the punches. Like I'm assuming and the transparency that Bill and Bob have allowed you guys uh, some, some rope, you know, to, to do your things and the transparency they brought to the table to show you the business and, and how things uh, can play out. So yeah, all good stuff. Yeah, what are uh, I guess I wanted to touch on a few things. What what's like one of the like best? I sent some uh, questions over. What's like one of the best stories you guys have that maybe some people don't know? Like, as a family building the business together. Yeah, that that could maybe be. maybe some big maybe some big blow ups. I don't know. Whatever you, whatever you guys <laughs> want to share. <laughs> I'm sure there's been some doozies. Me and my dad go at it all the time. So. I don't know whether this applies or not, but uh, through time, uh, there's there's just uh, uh, turning points in a sense, and um, you know the the PIC program was a turning point. Um, the high interest rates and the uh, depression of agriculture in the late '80s. Um, go out and make a loan for 18.5% interest and let me know how that feels. Um, fighting through that, um, you know, uh, freezes um, that maybe took a third of your crop that causes you some uh, significant uh, pain. And so, you know, um, through the, the 45, seven years that, uh, you know, Bob and I experienced, there's, there was just things that um, um, I think the team today is a lot smarter because some of the crazy things that we went, went through that, um, you know, to overcome some of those things. It takes time, you know, uh, and uh, dealing with the pain that go, that's associated with that. Um, um, we made it through them. Uh, but um, uh, we have a lot of things to be thankful for where the business is today, the, the gratitude of uh, the employees, the uh, uh, farmers that have supported us for years and referenced us to other other uh, farmers. Uh, um, it's been a lot of fun, you know. Um, it, it went awfully fast. 
the change in agriculture from you know the day that I started where the average yield in in the United States was 75 bushels to the acre in 1970 if you can imagine that and today what is it 172 the national corn average that's a lot of change I'm going to give more credit to that to genetics than I am to fertilizer but um, it, it uh, seed has made a huge difference in uh, production of agriculture Jordan I like when what Bill's saying is uh in my world, in the trading world, we'd hire, you know, we'd hire people, and, you know, we'd always say, hell, a monkey or any dummy can handle a, uh, manage a winning position. You know, you can manage a winning position. That's not, that's not what makes a great trader or a great investor. It's, it's how you handle your losing, your losing hands. And when you're dealt some losing cards, it's how you play that hand that matters most in, in, in our world. And I think Bill's saying the same thing, you know, when they, when the cards, uh, you know, when you're constantly dealt and reshuffled and get a new hand of cards and, and, and some of those bad hands, it sounds like uh, you guys played those fairly well and uh, and came out on the other side in in good shape compared to, to some of the others. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, in the longevity of a business and, and over the long haul, like they're talking about, you know, there's just not very many businesses that make it three generations. Let's be realistic. I mean, it's a small, small fraction and you certainly have to, you got to play the losing hands well. <laughs> and you can't let those uh, uh, whip you and beat you. And I, I think that's just crazily important. So, yeah, that's a great point. But Was there anything like along the way that I guess, uh, what, what was like one idea you guys had along the way that didn't quite go as planned? Was there any, like anything like you guys sat down you're like, this is, this is, this is it. Like, we got, we got a good idea here and you went out and just didn't work out at all. <laughs> like our farming in South America. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Some of those things. Oh boy. Yeah. I, hear I, can, I can't think of just one idea, but what we have done over, over time or over years have become uh, much more intentional about the people that we hire. Uh, back in those 70s and 80s, nobody knew how to pronounce our name, uh, you know, and so it was challenging to hire people at that time as we were growing. And, uh, you know, you would you would hire because someone was available in the early days, in the 80s. And so um, your hiring success ratio, maybe it was half at that time. And over time, when you know it was it was uh, decisions that had to be made with people, uh, you would you would improve your uh, ability to hire people and what strategy and what culture that you wanted in the business. So I would I would say today we are much more intentional and have a number of teams that work uh, when when we do have an opening in the business. So uh, that hiring process is is one that I would say that we've improved. Yeah, that that's a tough one there. I mean, that's that's tough for us. I know that. I like your analogy though. You were just, you know, you were hiring people that, you know, that needed a job and and were looking for something. And now you're more selective and picking people, I guess, for the position you want them to play and doing all the uh, doing all the due diligence on that side of it with the HR. Yeah, I, that's tough for us. I know that we've we've struggled it. Uh, especially, it feels like. Some of the younger kids, I don't want to pick on younger kids, but it just seems like the work ethic's a little different than we were accustomed to. And feelings get hurt a lot more easy on the constructive criticism, I like to say. And it's, yeah, it's a challenge. So I I told Jordan, I'm like, we we actually, I, we were talking last night, we need to hire someone that can, <laughs> I, I think, communicate better maybe with some of the younger kids and not, I don't know, maybe not hurt their feelings as much or something like that, because you can't, you can't say a whole lot. And I don't know, maybe it's the way they're raised. I, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure guys. I, I don't know. It's, it's different. So it feels different. Don't you guys think? Maybe you can't say anything, but hey, I hear what you're saying. So. Uh, it's, it's a different generation. Uh, yeah. You can just, the work-life balance is something we've stressed over time where we've got a wide range of folks I can think on my team that range from joining in the last couple of months to somebody who's been here for 42 years. And yeah. so the way that they look at the business and operate and think is completely different. And uh, uh, communication, you know, 
we're still a face-to-face organization. So I think a lot of the communication we strive to have, you know, face-to-face and deal with issues one-on-one. But uh, yeah, we've had to work at uh, staffing and adjusting our roles and shifts differently because uh, people aren't looking to work 10 hours, 12 hours a day and wear a badge of honor. 80 hour weeks um and that's fine uh we just are transitioning how we operate and think about how we staff uh, those areas and and it all revolves around a different work-life balance i think that different generations uh look at that differently how's your guys's work-life balance (laughs) as i continue to hear this from uh my family you know on our end Jordan's getting married coming up. His, you know, his fiance is like, my goodness, all you guys do is talk business when you're around it. You know, you're just, you guys work all the time. And it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, that's kind of what we do. I mean, I don't, I don't know. They're, her family uh, is more, you know, they had jobs and work for people. And, uh, you know, it's just different. I think they shut it off at five o'clock and, and things are, you know, just different, I guess. So how do you guys go about it when you get together and all that? I mean, you, I'm sure you guys are talking some work. Yeah. Anyone, anybody want that? John, Jacob? Um, um, go ahead. No. Go ahead. Uh, I think uh, we've learned probably from our parents on uh, that balance and I think they've been they've shared where they've struggled over their careers at times and uh, uh, we've got young fourth generation for a couple of the folks uh, in the third generation and uh, I've got one on the way so that's a change of pace too that, um, I probably get more questions from my wife like what are you doing at because I try to shut it off completely at times. <laughs> so I get faster. Well, why aren't you telling me more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So it's definitely a tough one. I hear that from lots of lots of uh, families. So it's, it's hard balance again. No, so, Bob, how'd you guys do it? I was horrible. Yeah. Not, not enough uh, time taken off. Um, uh, John and his siblings are... Uh, better at it and that's great uh, because i think when you're away from work you just uh you get a fresher look you uh you get a a a chance to think and you always come back with better better uh things in your mind even if it's like going to a conference like you folks have coming up uh you know you're going to come back with something and uh, those things are important to do and uh so yeah, I, I do believe it's important. It's a critically important thing. Yeah, I I would agree. I remember when I used to uh, rarely would take a vacation. People in the office would be like, "Oh gosh, he's taking a vacation. This is good and bad. Good that he's even bad because he's going to come back with a thousand new ideas and things that we got to work on." <laughs> so it's like double edged sword. You know, those conferences get dangerous for him. We'll 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 have six different businesses started in a week. <laughs> we might we might oh boy i hear you so yeah it's just that work-life balance thing i think it's always been for my wife and i we've been married you know high school sweetheart stayed married the whole time and i don't know just delegated out duties and she's done a lot you know obviously i should have done more like bill's saying you know probably should have been home more done more uh looking back at things and you know i think it's good that the younger kids like he's saying uh you know Go do other things, get better perspectives, go on trips, travel a little bit, go to conferences. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely seeing the light a little bit uh, on that front. So I think it's never going to end. There's going to be a constant uh, trying to always improve on that end. So, yeah, Jordan. Yeah, is there uh probably try to wrap this thing up. Is there anything we've uh, we haven't talked about you guys wanted to talk about or. Yeah, anything we've missed? Any, question, any questions for us or. Where's Wiffles? Where do you see him, John? Uh, when you pass the reins, you and Jacob, to the next generation, where where do you see this thing? 
think you're on mute. Thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a fun one to think about, right? Because to a degree, would would hope that you know maybe there's another twenty years left to, to continue to to grow and and build this thing. So, um, you know, one one thing we said here probably close to four years ago was that you know we wanted to be one of the top three brands in the Central Corn Belt and be over a million units. You know, there's only two other brands in the Central Corn Belt today that have a million units of corn, and so we're approaching that. And um, quite honestly, it's one of the things that you know right now. Um, we're thinking a lot about our future and, and, and where do we want to grow to? So I have no questions that, you know, ongoing growth is going to continue to be part of that formula. But I think one other thing that strikes me is just, again, when I started in this business in 2013, um, walking into a, a business that was really uh, well built. And so that's something I think about a lot is, is uh, building a business that lasts. Um, Cause you know, I think, any one of us in the third generation, we think about this as the fourth generation business someday. Uh, you know, one, one of the better things I, I think I've heard in 2022 is this concept of the 50-50 rule, which I'll butcher it, but something to the effect of, you know, 50% of your contributions are based on what you do in your role today. And 50% of your, your contributions are what happens after you leave. Um, so, you know, I think our father and, and uncle, uh, you know, live that to a T and um, it's something that, that, you know, I have on, I carry on my shoulders and, and think about a lot um, as we go forward. Do you guys take, do you guys take revenue or profits and diversify into other businesses or other ag businesses, or do you try to take the majority of that and put it back directly into uh, the Wiffles model itself, the, yep. the corn seed model? Yeah. Yeah, you know, ba based on the way this business is growing, um, every single last dollar of it is going into seed production capacity capabilities. It's going into people. It's going into new technologies, better better corn products, better corn hybrids for a year from now. Okay. Um, so I, I think it's a, you know, probably a function of how how much we're growing. Um, you know, whatever's left, um, you're right. It's it's going right back into the business seed business. Okay. Yeah, see, like ours, so through the Van Trump report and through our trading uh, and my investing, I mean, we just, the revenue that we have come in through all of these, the, uh, through the, that model, we take and reallocate it and invest it into other businesses. And so, I mean, yeah, there's multiple ways people can do things. But yeah, I see. I mean, I like what you're saying. I mean, you, hell, you don't see anything better than your own business. Keep plowing it into your own business, right? And your own people. And, and uh, continue to grow at that direction. So yeah, that that's just our model. It's you know it's different. I was just wondering what your guys's was. So yeah. you know, Kevin, I think it's a fair point that there are a lot of that think about diversification, right? And um, one of the things I think you know we we think about too is how can we also diversify within the business we already have, yeah. right? So whether that's through diversification of not just a retail seed business but also seed production, that's that's kind of a way of diversifying yourself a little bit or you know, geographic uh, market that we covered today, right? At one point, we covered four or five counties in Illinois, and now we're on 29, 30 million corn acres in the U.S. So I think there's still opportunity for, out, for, for us out there to, you know, continue to maybe pursue a little bit of that diversification. Strategy. Yeah, it's interesting. Always interests me when you say like ADM or Bungie or uh, Tyson, and they have their venture funds. And like Tyson was one of the main backers of beyond meat you know of the the fake meat company and it's interesting that you see them take their you know some of their revenue and some of their profits and plow them into the things that you know are, are just ancillary uh, channels and, and you know sometimes those end up becoming big big businesses so yeah i didn't know if you got yeah one that. of the one of the more interesting things we talked about john talked on earlier is you're saying diversify most of the people we've had on it's like all right we're going to get into the cattle we're going to get into the pork and then we had some people talk about getting into like those roof blankets and getting into all this different stuff and john mentioned like oh yeah we could easily get into soybeans but i think it's yeah. i think it's crazy how like laser I, I really respect it how laser focused you guys are on corn and there's just so much opportunity on corn itself why not just Keep doing focus it. on corn and be the best at corn seed. <laughs> and that's yeah. kind of what it seems like you guys are doing. And I, I think that that focus is 
crazy hard and it's extremely important to be successful. I feel like, and I, I deal with it every day trying to, I'm getting my hands into new stuff. It's like, man, just stay focused. Like just be the best of this one thing. There's so much opportunity in this. So hats off to that. And I think that's really important to look at for tons of businesses. So. No, for sure. Yeah. So. What else, buddy? I think that's all I had. Do you guys have anything else on your end or? No, nothing else. Nothing on my end. So. All right. Well, I sure appreciate you guys taking the time to do this and I'm sure a lot Thanks of people listen and will like it as well. So. Yeah. And our family, you know, our family, Bill, Bob, much appreciate all you've done for us through the years and your guys' support. And heck, I remember coming up there to speak at one of your guys' big, uh, your annual events and where you have all your customers in Jordan wasn't around yet. He was off of college, but I came back, told my wife, I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a serious production you guys put on there. And it was a heck of a good time. So yeah. And I, I, like I said, I, I owe you guys a lot and I, I appreciate it. And you guys opening up your family to our family and Hey, if there's anything we can ever do to help you guys, so you know, we're always here. So I, I much appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much for all you do. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. I'll see you guys. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. Thanks, Jordan. All right. Bye.